EMS1.com is the number one online resource for the EMS community and authoritative voice in pre-hospital care. Our members enjoy access to exclusive content from top EMS educators and physicians, award-winning e-newsletters, original video series, member-only product discounts, access to free continuing education courses, and much more. If you're an EMS and not a member of EMS1, join the community for free today. Just go to ems1.com backslash registration. That's ems1.com backslash registration to become a member. Even though it's been a week, we are still here at the Cincinnati Marriott at the St. Elizabeth Emergency Conference. And this is show number two from the show floor. And he is still here with me, ladies and gentlemen. No, he hasn't gone back to world-famous Pitkin, Louisiana, Kelly Grayson, KG. Show number two from the show floor. What do you think? I think it's great, man. You know, you smell just like you did last week. You don't even look different. You're wearing the same clothes and everything. Kelly, that was 30 minutes ago. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm from Pitkin. I kind of get lost sometimes. And that's how people talk there, really, isn't it? Actually, yeah. But, you know, I want to be honest with you. You don't sound any different. So that's what the (laughs) chat. Yeah, I know it is. So we have another great show. And, you know, we talked about last week's show that there were a lot of great speakers here. And one of the great speakers is our friend, Amy Eisenhower. She is the creatrix of the EMS Siren blog. And certainly I'm a fan, Kelly. I know you are. Mm -hmm. And she is here. We're going to talk a little bit about professional development and one of her passions is mental health. And, Kelly, I know that you have uh, trouble with mental health, so maybe we can get some <laughs> tips for you. But, Amy, Thanks. I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS, and it's really great to have you here and kind of all be sitting at the same table sharing some stories. Well, thank both of you for uh, having me on your show. Um, I do listen at home uh, in between doing, uh, doing some work for school and, and whatnot, so... Um, I'm really honored and excited to be here talking with you guys. So it's good that you're not one of those closet fans that you come out and you really do talk about that you are a fan of the show. So I do appreciate that. But before we get into the topics of professional development and mental health, you are the creatrix, which I think this is a, that's an amazing title. Another new word. We've it is. That's right. We're going to add that to the EMS Siren of the EMS Siren blog. Tell the listeners a little bit about your blog and how they can find it. So you can find uh, the EMS Siren blog at, very easily, the EMS Siren. Um, and everything else related to me, I've, I've made it easy for everyone, including myself, because how, how do we even remember, like, passwords? Oh. And you need a new, unique username. Now, everything is the EMS Siren. So at Twitter, at Gmail, if you want to reach me, uh, if you want to find the blog, that's where to find it, everything. Um, so the blog is um, about... Uh, professional issues within EMS, social issues within EMS. Um, I do talk a little bit about uh, mental health on there. Um, I also put up uh, interesting things, so um, some things from EMS Memorial Foundation. When they send me the info, I'll pop it out there, so uh, current events as well. Um, Basically that kind of thing. Uh, And I also um, have some things on uh, EMS One. I guessed guessed right for uh, my school, American Military University, Uh, They have a blog called In Public Safety, um, and that is uh, a larger blog for police, fire, EMS, military, and and all things related. Um, And EMS One uh, and Rescue, Fire Rescue One, I believe, publishes that, um, Mm -hmm. those blogs as well. Um, uh, And, of course, I I write 
uh, I'm a guest writer for uh, EMS World. You are, and you, I love your stuff. I am a fan, and I am not a closet fan of the EMS <laughs> Siren blog. I want a t-shirt that says, fan of the EMS Siren blog. Okay. But, you know, you, you do give us a lot of information. You do give us a lot of things to think about. And I love your style of writing. And, you know, there, there's a couple of people that your style reminds me of. Tracy Loskar, she's another writer that I really admire. And, and we haven't had her on the show in a bit. We need we to get her, her back. we got to get her back. But, uh, you know, if you're a fan of her work, Amy, your work really is uh, kind of parallel to that. But I digress. So let's talk about the, the two things that really are your passion. The first one is professional development. Where do you think that we lack in professional development when it comes to EMS? Wow. That's, should, that's we start off with, should we start off oh with a smaller gosh. question? Should I start off with some, what's your birthday, Amy? What, what's, your, what's your zodiac sign? How about that? Uh, so I am a Taurus, which uh, we all know makes me stubborn. And you probably shouldn't give me something to hang on to because I'm not letting it go. Uh, and stubborn, but not stubborn. a mid-sized Ford car. No, no, not <laughs> okay. at all. Not at all. Um, so uh, <laughs> professional development, um, that is a, a huge, huge thing that, that we need to work on in EMS. And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody working in EMS. Um, a lot of the times, um, and not to insult anybody, uh, a lot of the times people get promoted for political reasons. They get promoted because they're the, the best paramedic, um, which clinically is awesome. We need that, right? We need to take keep care of people excellently, um, you know, and, and get them to that next level of care. Um, but... Being the best paramedic doesn't always mean that you're great at supervising, you know, others, particularly if they were once your peers. Um, so, uh, and we don't develop people when we do promote them, right? We don't give them the tools to use to be successful. We just kind of say, here you go. Here's the keys to your office. Have a good time. Um, and, you know, that's destructive, not just to the new leader um, or the new agency, uh, but also uh, our staff. Right? We have recruitment and retention problems already. We don't need to add to people being unhappy at work or at their volunteer agency and leaving because they don't have to deal with that. Um, so for myself, uh, I, I kind of fell into professional development and being interested in it uh, because I was trying to help myself. Um, I was on the ambulance at this point for 17 years. I had left twice. I was plotting to leave again. I, w I went to school. I'm, I'm working on my degree. I'm, I'm making an exit strategy mm -hmm. because I was just done. I was done with the politics. I was done with backbiting. I was done with all of that. Uh, and I happened to find a mentor who was able to show me that there w the path was much larger than just the box, than just the next two feet. Um, so a lot of my work started with talking about mentoring and how to find a mentor. And actually, I'm here talking about that uh, in a little bit. How to find a mentor, what's expected of you, what's expected of them, what's a healthy mentoring relationship, um, and, and how to go about that. Yeah. It, one thing you mentioned that, that we, we often throw people to the wolves when it comes to promotions to management uh, and don't support them, don't give them the tools. Um, that's a common theme in EMS. We see so many mm -hmm. good medics who are not good managers and got not good leaders uh, because um, clinical proficiency doesn't necessarily equate to emotional intelligence and leadership skills yes. and those sorts of things. So what, what facet of leadership uh, or management do you see most new supervisors lacking and how do they acquire that? How to handle the people that they're supposed to be supervising. So the people that, who they were once a part of yes. just the week before. Right. So, so there's that issue, that buddy to boss. Mm -hmm. Right. And so 
I'm not saying that all people are, uh, you know, taking advantage, but there's a lot of that going on. Oh, you know, my friend is, is uh, you know, now the boss, so I can do what I want. And now you can't do what you want. And so kind of managing those relationships and friendships, right, because EMS is a larger family. We become mm -hmm. each other's families. We become each other's friends. I want to say I have one friend, like one good friend that I could go to for things that was never in EMS. And then she went to nursing school. So, uh, so all of my, so now like, she's tainted. Yeah. Is, yeah. Um, so, um, everybody, we all have that, right. Yeah. And, and we all rely cause we understand each other. Um, so I'm not saying that get rid of that. It's not possible. Um, however, um, we do need to have some degree of separation and, and teach the new leaders. Hey, um, this is what's going to have to happen, right? At work, you're at work. Um, and your life is going to change. Your, those relationships, those friendships, you know, are going to change a little bit. Um, and also, um, training for people that want to be leaders or managers. Um, I know Richmond Ambulance Authority has a, a robust mentoring program throughout all layers of their uh, company. So uh, if you are in the mechanics pool and you're interested in being a paramedic, um, they'll give you a plan and a person to work with to say, okay, you need to go to paramedic school. You need to do this. Or if you're a manager um, in one section and you want to explore another section, you get the mentoring before you get there and then while you're there. Um, so people can, can cross train and, and become proficient at the things that they're interested in. Uh, and obviously for recruitment retention, that keeps people there because now they're engaged and interested. Yeah, I think you bring up a lot of great points in that. And, and, you know, the organizations that do well are the organizations that really prepare the future leaders for tomorrow. But even moreover, when we think about the, the measurement of leadership success, what is it? And it's truly how engaged, how satisfied, how productive your workforce is. And that is the true and only measurement of leadership success. And we are the sole, I guess, influence to the success or failure of our workforce as leaders. And if you have a workforce that you question their success or you question how you know they're able to do their job, it really is a direction of poor leadership. And you know, I'm saying that and you you guys may be swearing at the radio or swearing at the computer mm -hmm. saying you don't really know what you're talking about. But we do not invest in our leaders to ensure that they're able to take care of the most precious resource which is our human resource. So, Amy, when we think about that, how can organizations get the leg up on developing a process for professional development of their leaders? So, you make an excellent point. Um, and I think part of what perpetrates that is we don't want to look at ourselves, right? So, if you're a leader or you're a manager, you don't want to look at yourself and say, okay, I'm not doing this well. Nobody ever wants to look at themselves and say that. Uh, so, some of that would be a performance maybe peer review for each mm -hmm. other among the leadership um, review from your bosses which again a thing nobody likes uh, so I think that um, those things are not going to be comfortable however um, sometimes you have to go through the fire to get to the other side to be polished um, also like I mentioned mentoring uh, the new people and making that an expectation of becoming a leader uh, and in the in the mentoring process in that preparatory process okay you worked on this project. Um, what did you do? What did you feel went great? What do you think could go better? And not just have your review of yourself, but have your peers in that group project review it uh, and your mentor review it. And for me, um, and 
uh, as we mentioned, I'm a tourist and I'm stubborn. Um, I don't, I don't like that process at all. I don't like being told, hey, maybe that's not such a great idea. And uh, some of the, the largest arguments that, um, you know, I've had with my mentor is, oh gosh, and I know he's going to listen, is on occasion when he was right and I was not. And I had to take a moment to step back and go, okay, what was he really saying now that I'm not mad at being told, no, you can't? Uh, what was he really saying? How, how, how would what he proposes affect, um, you know, what I'm trying to do? And, and after a little bit, and I'm happy to say that it's been shortened to hours, not days. Um, after a little bit, you know, I call back and I'm like, okay, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe you have a point here. Okay. And so we have to be prepared to do those uncomfortable things that we don't like and take a step back and look at either projects that we're doing or planning um, that we're uh, for projects that we want to get into. Yeah, I think a, fundal, uh, a fundamental level of introspection is, is necessary for a leader. Know what you're good at, know what you're not good at, know how to, uh, to delegate uh, authority for the things that you're not good at and, and trust your people to do it. Yeah. But one of the other things that I know you're passionate about, it's your raison d'etre, uh, mm-hmm. is mental health and mental health awareness in, in EMS responders. Why don't you talk a little bit about your, uh, about your efforts in that regard? So uh, this also was kind of something that, that I fell into. I was uh, helping somebody with um, their Keystone project uh, for, for college, their very last class, uh, and kind of helping them organize because they weren't really great at, at organizing things. Uh, and we were both looking for kind of topics that, that he would be interested in, in, in reporting on. And Time Magazine, and I want to say this was 2011 or so, uh, Time Magazine had just done a piece on firefighter suicides. Uh, And just before that, in 2010, the IFF released uh, their white paper on depression, um, addictions, and uh, suicidality in firefighters. Uh, So this was exploding uh, because of, obviously, the heavy notice that it got. And uh, after kind of helping with the project, I started to think, you know, EMS really doesn't have anything like this. And this is before Code Green, before I've got your back 911. And maybe in silos, we were all thinking about it. Uh, so I, I did some more research on EMS and kind of a lot of it at that point was extrapolating data. Like mm-hmm. if this happens here, then we can suppose this happens here. Yeah. Um, and, and giving information on, um, you know, suicide indicators and what leads up to that and maybe some ideas on how we can mitigate that. Now we have all these great awareness groups uh, that are doing that, that heavy lifting. Um, and I've started to talk about how agencies can build programs, because that's intimidating. Yeah. Um, and mental health and preventative wellness for mental health um, is not an easy thing to say, oh, we have this phone number you can call. Well, that's not everything. Just like with leadership and mentoring and preparing, uh, we need to prepare to have good mental health. It's just like if you eat fried chicken every day for all of your life, you can't wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm not going to eat fried chicken today and I'm going to be healthy. Uh, you have to do that preparatory work. Uh, so I've started to talk about that. And um, while I'm here at the conference, I'm talking about what educators can do to prepare their their new people, maybe before they have some of these bad habits that we've developed related to uh, sleep loss and fatigue, related to um, you know nutrition, exercise, um, how we think about things, um, using meditation to, to build focus, using stress inoculation to mm-hmm. prepare our people as much as we can, because obviously there's nothing like treating a real patient, but to prepare our students as much as we can 
for interacting with patients and the stressors that aren't usually in simulation. One of the things Chris mentioned in, in the previous part of the uh, of the podcast was uh, the, one of the marks of a good leader is how well they take care of their agency's most precious resource, the personnel. Absolutely. And, and if you look at it, any anybody's uh, profit loss statement and their their spreadsheets, personnel costs are by far the highest uh, expenditure at any agency. Yet we got preventive maintenance programs for our trucks. We got preventive maintenance programs for our equipment. We've got health and wellness programs that focus on our physical wellness, but the things that, that's taking the greatest toll on us, still it's, it's, a, it's an uphill battle actually getting agencies to, to devote money and time and resources to that thing. So my question would be, how does, how does an agency go about uh, implementing uh, a, a mental wellness program? So some of it is things that we just talked about. Workplace stress. Uh, in, in any workplace. Workplace stress um, is one of the, the key, uh, keys to mental wellness and trying to mitigate that as much as possible. So if we're preparing our leaders and they're taking care of our people just in the everyday uh, stressors of work, like at one job uh, I would come in, I was a power truck, so I'd come in at four, things would be taken off my truck during the day to supply other trucks. The now, this is at 6 o'clock in the morning that they did this. The supervisors had the whole day to replace everything till, till 4 o'clock to replace what... So for the first hour of my shift, I have dispatch calling me saying, are you in service yet? Why aren't you in service? Are you in service? Can you get in service? How long is it going to take? Uh, I have to track down the supervisor that knows where my stuff is if they started to do that today. Um, or I have to go wake the one up off the couch downstairs and our, our quarters was not all on the same floor. So I'm also running stairs in between, up and down, up and down. I can't get anybody on the phone. And so it takes an hour just for me to get into service, and now I'm frustrated for the rest of my shift. Something yeah. like that is a simple fix. Yeah. So some of it is operationally. Some of it is uh, developing our leaders to take care of our people and developing the people coming up the chain to, to learn how to do that. Um, also, uh, making sure that your EAP plan has a phone call that – uh, or has a phone number that goes to somebody trained to work with first responders. Uh, and I know this is a big deal. A lot of people say, I don't want to call that number because they don't know anything That's about what we did. That's Yeah, absolutely. And if, if the person who's supposed to be helping you doesn't understand what you go through on a regular basis, and those, those innocuous things, like we were just talking about, like having an AED and having to fight with people to get one, um, doesn't understand that that can happen, you know, all... All is lost because yeah. there's no trust there for, for that help. You know, I think when we, you know, we talk about this topic, it, it amazes me that we, we call ourselves the most compassionate career field, and yet we, we don't do enough to take care of the people, you know, and Kelly uses this term, coined the term of saying they sit 18 inches from us, and we really kind of ignore the challenges that they're going through. Mm -hmm. But moreover, when we talk about professional development, when we talk about good leadership, if we were doing the things that we needed to do to engage our workforce, we would know them. We would understand them. We would have a, a feeling when things weren't going right. And maybe we can, you know, kind of off, you know, offset those challenging times that build and build and build until explosion. If we were close enough to them, we'd be able to know that. And really, that's where good leadership comes in. But, again, it surprises me how we are not um, astute to our partners, to our peers, to our workforce, and the challenges they may be going through when it comes to their own mental health. And it truly is a failure, Amy. 
I agree. Um, and, and you kind of mentioned something that you would, if we were close to them, we would know. Um, and obviously, larger agencies, you know, it's impossible for the director at the top who's handling things, uh, you know, out in the community or handling things if you're part of a hospital with, you know, the other hospital VPs, et cetera. It's impossible for one person to know 400 people. However, there's a leadership structure. So your direct supervisor probably should notice if you're mm -hmm. having a hard time. Um, your, your direct supervisor should know, um, even if you have a fatigue SOP or SOG, that you know what, for the last four days you've been working 18 hours every day. And that eight hour mandate for a break, you know, is not enough for you to actually have gotten some sleep. Um, you know, and recognize that, you know, you probably are fatigued and that's going to be affecting your driving. It's going to be affecting your clinical care. Um, it's going to be affecting your ability to recuperate for yourself. You know, and, and say, look, I know that you want to take that overtime today, uh, but I found somebody else because you need to go home and sleep. Yeah. You know, and, and attention to things like that, not just the, the big things like, you know, your kid is sick or, you know, you, uh, you know, an unfortunate reality for EMS, which is a whole other topic, you got evicted from your house or your car got repoed because we don't make enough money to, to make do on some things. Um, so absolutely being able to recognize when our people are going through, but also yeah. that, that taking care of them on every day, like you guys have been running for the past 12 hours. Um, you know, maybe you need a break, go eat some food, take 15 minutes and take them off the board in dispatch for that time so they can get a moment. Yeah. Like you said, organizational stressors are often uh, the biggest burden at any agency and you know, I, I speak from experience and knowing that the people you work for have your back and, yeah. and care about your welfare uh, makes it a lot easier to deal with some of the, the horrific things that we see. Um, and that's what many people don't appreciate is, is that the things that burn you out are not necessarily the bad calls or the things that, that chip away at your resiliency are not the bad calls. It's the lack of organizational and peer support. Yes. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. For myself, co-host Chris Ceballero, and our special guest this week, Amy Eisenhower, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.